0: Uh, Again, thank you for being here. This is The Evidence Show. Uh, We're going to talk today about evidence things, surprisingly enough. That's what we do every time that we hop on and discuss evidence-related topics. So hopefully you work in the field of evidence management or you are an evidence custodian. Otherwise, this might not be of much interest to you. Uh, If you're watching live, thanks for being here. Uh, We've got people literally all over the country kind of tuning in. Uh, So hopefully we will make good use of your time. I'd like to point you to, hopefully you can see my screen, uh, point you to, if you haven't taken advantage of it, one of the things that we started during the pandemic was a Facebook evidence management community forum. And the goal of this thing was just to give evidence managers a place to discuss things, find solutions. If you're on Facebook, it is a private group. Uh, we would welcome you to join we got about 500 I think maybe 5 hundred and sixteen evidence custodians across the country uh, if you have questions it's a great place to get questions or answers to your questions it's a great way to crowdsource solutions uh, and just know that you're not alone that people all over the country are dealing with very similar issues to you so so take advantage of that again it's the evidence management community forum on Facebook and it is private and we do try to vet the the people that join, uh, that's more difficult because some people just have Facebook profiles. Like I had a second Facebook profile that I added just for work stuff because I don't check the other one either. So please take advantage of that. If you'd like more information about what we do, check us out on evidencemanagement.com. And let's get straight to it. Today we're gonna do this is the first of a two-part, and it's actually episode four, but who's counting? This is gonna be a two-part show. Uh, the first part we're gonna talk about the keys to the castle, how to achieve true access control in your evidence room, and we're literally going to be talking about keys, well, keys and locks and card readers specifically about physical security, and we're going to really focus the next two episodes or the next two shows on keys and key control and card access control, because I think it's a topic that's worth getting into. I've I've been interested and kind of uh, fanatical about hardware, locking hardware for the past 15 years. I realize that not many people are, but For an evidence custodian, the locks that you use are incredibly important. The door hardware that you use, the way that you control access into your facility is incredibly important. And one of the first steps to that is considering and taking a look at the doors. Uh, So what are we talking about? We're going to talk about key control and access control. I'm going to give you 10 things to think about today related to key control and access control and next week we're going to have a guest come on or actually not next week uh, the next episode i believe that's on the 24th but now i'm talking out of my head and you know two weeks from today on a thursday uh, we're going to have a guest on to discuss key control again and show you some technology that is available out there that uh, i think could really make an impact on your operations and of course at the end if you got questions I will try to answer them if I have the answers. So we'll just jump into it. Why even talk about this? Why discuss access control? Uh, This is an evidence show. Why are we talking about doors and locks? That's kind of weird. And it is. But when you think about a secure chain of custody, that secure chain of custody is predicated on the security of your facility. If you have poor security conditions or substandard security conditions, uh, you can't really achieve the secure part of the chain of custody. It is very important that we limit the number of people that have access to evidence. The best way to do that is by a locked door, a locked door that not everyone has the key to is the other important component there. But another reason why we're gonna talk about it today is because it doesn't matter if you're looking at our standards and our best practices at the Evidence Management Institute or another training platform out there, everyone speaks specifically to access control and key control and has very specific requirements and recommendations uh, for key control. And the reason for that is it's important. Uh, It is the first step in securing that chain of custody. So today, we're going to discuss 10 things uh, that you need to know about evidence management. The first, I'm going to talk about internal access audits. This is something that you can do as an evidence custodian. It's really important to understand one principle as we begin. In order to know who has access to your facility, Uh, or before you can limit access to your facility, you've got to know who has that access. And that's trickier than you might think. If you're a really small agency and you change locks frequently, that might be achievable and something that you just know off the top of your head. But for most agencies that have people filter in and filter out, we've got kind of loose controls on keys. uh, Key control and access control can be a nightmare. We recommend that you do two types of audits at least once a year. Uh, It's similar to the, the audit that we would recommend that you do for evidence. It's actually part of that audit process. But we suggest that you do a key control audit and an access control audit every year, at least once a year. Now, what does that mean? A key control audit is pretty simple. So is an access control audit. But you've got to have a list of keyways or a list of doors with specific keys or, you know, a keyway is just another way of saying this key fits this keyway. So if you've got five doors in your office area and all five of them are keyed the same, then that's one keyway that you have to worry about. And then you need a list of keys, not just keys That you have access to but keys in the entire agency and that includes people with master keys or grandmaster keys there are a lot of agencies where like command level or executive level leadership have grandmaster or master keys where they can open any door in any part of the facility at any time you've got to factor that in while you're doing your audit and include those people in the list of people that have access to your evidence Uh, and then you need that list of people with the keys. So the goal here is to figure out how many keys you've got, who has access to them or who has them in their custody, and what can they get to. Now we can't necessarily control a lot of the who part. You know, if your chief or your sheriff wants access into your evidence room, uh there's not a lot that we can do to just flat out deny them or tell them no. We can recommend and we can point them in a different direction, but it's important to know because if something turns up missing, if something happens and you've got drugs missing or firearms missing or evidence stolen from your vault, uh, any one of those types of situations, you want a list of the the usual suspects, and the usual suspects are going to be everyone with access to the vault. Very similarly, many of us have moved towards a a hybrid system where we have keys and we have card reader access to certain doorways. I love card reader access. It can be a tremendous benefit to an agency. It makes things very simple, but the problem exists the same with the same problem exists with keys at our agency. Before I retired many, many moons ago, we did an access control audit. I wanted to find out how many people had card reader access to our vaults and what i found out because we'd never done one before uh, we were getting new card reader access points in our in our facility and i just i was just curious and in a city about 120,000 people a department with about 170 officers so not a huge department but there were over 150 people throughout the city that had access card reader access to our evidence vault now that is a huge number uh, there were firefighters that had access because they had been given general access to the the entire city. Uh, there were some civilians not working in the police department that had access. One of the things about card readers is that they're generally assigned a card. You're generally assigned a card by someone that doesn't work for the police department. It's a best practice, if you've got a card reader system, to have an admin who works for the department that can control that access for you, or better still, for the evidence manager or evidence custodian to be one of the administrators so that they can run these types of audits. But we had 150 people that had access to our evidence vault, and there were three or four people that worked in evidence management. Uh, So, that was 146 people who, whether they knew it or not, could access our evidence vault at any time, just based on the type of access card that they had. One of the things that people probably don't know about access cards, and this happens most of the time because people are trying to be nice. Uh, there is a little box on most card reader access programs that is its executive access. If you check that little box, then you grant that person full and complete unfettered access to every door in the system with one little check of the box. And people do this to be nice so that people can get into doors that they need to get into. But that really takes a lot of the control away from the evidence vault because not only does it give them access to the second floor of City Hall, it gives them access to your drug vaults if you're protected by card reader access in those areas. So that's why we recommend doing an audit at least once a year to find out who has given or who has been given access to your vault, and then you can have control over your keys. So that's that's one thing to think about when it comes to the keys to the castle. The second thing to talk about that is a fun and hot topic is after hours access. and And really, I mean, really, do we need to provide after-hours access to our vaults? I would say if your if your evidence vault stores evidence, uh, then probably not. We recommend what we teach is is to have evidence custodians on callback status. That's not possible everywhere in every case, uh, but you really should not have too compelling a business case for requiring someone to go into your evidence vault after hours it's much better to provide a bulk storage or bulk temporary storage area or to call back staff to get into the evidence vault after hours if it's absolutely necessary but i can't think of too many reasons why we would give people access to that vault even if you've got a huge a massive drug seizure uh call someone in uh, as a best practice there's no reason to to expose the rest of your evidence to that intrusion after hours now we don't always have control of that i will say this if you have to give people access the worst possible way to do that is that secret key that the lieutenant or the captain has on a key ring in a secret place in their office. Well, the secret place is almost always a hook underneath their desk or somewhere in their top desk drawer. So that, that, I, I can't tell you how many agencies I've been in where that's where the secret key goes. It's in the lieutenant's desk drawer, or maybe if they're super clever, it's on a hook underneath their desk. That's not a secret. You might as well just leave the doors open. Now there are other agencies that will leave a key hanging in the jail or behind the control room at the jail. That's another terrible solution because we really can't determine who has accessed that key at any given time. It is an open secret and therefore it is the same as an open door. It's the worst possible solution for after hours access. So I would encourage you to find another way. This little device right here, like at our agency, we had an outdoor storage area. Like if someone brought in a very large piece of evidence that didn't need to come inside, let's say it was maybe a a lawnmower or lawn equipment uh, that still had gas in it, you don't want to bring that stuff into your bulk storage area. So we had an outdoor holding pen that we would allow officers to put evidence into. One of the workarounds that we found Instead of giving them uh, each key access, we would control the access. We had a trap key device. That little picture right there on the screen is a trap key device. They would put their key in, and in order to release the key to the uh, to the storage pin, it would trap their user key for the rest of the facility. Uh, it would trap it in that device until they returned it. In that area, we also had 24-7 video recording uh, access. I believe there was also a story or a key log that they had to sign out uh, or sign your access to it. It was not an ideal situation, but it sure beat having a key in the jail that no one knew or no one could know uh, who's accessed that area or when they accessed it. And after losing four or five keys to that area. This made a lot more sense as a trap key system and they can work with virtually any type of of lock or locking system that you use. So that might be a a workaround that that might interest you or, or be of use to you. So Who belongs in the evidence vault? The third thing I want to talk about with respect to keys is I mean, if you're inside the vault, you've obviously gotten there somehow. You've had access to the vault. Who really belongs there? We teach that only evidence personnel, evidence unit personnel, really belong in the vault. Other than that, escorted persons, they can be in the vault too, provided that they're escorted by evidence unit personnel. The only people that really need keys to your evidence vault are people that work in the evidence unit. There is very little, there's no real compelling business case uh, for a chief to have keys to the vault other than uh, just the fact that they feel entitled. Uh, But I would encourage you to do this. Well, let me back up. The answer to who belongs in the vault is a very different question than who thinks they belong in the vault. So we're asking the question, who belongs in the vault? And the answer for that is pretty simple. We can't answer the question who thinks they belong in the vault because that might be your chief, that might be the sheriff at your agency. Um, I judge the, the the wisdom of an executive, a police executive, by this one question. Um, a good sheriff, a good chief of police that understands the liability and understands their role in evidence in the evidence process, they don't want access to the vault they understand that if something happens, they are responsible for it, but I also understand that they're in the chain of custody if they've got a key, Uh, so that's a quick wisdom test. Hopefully, your chief executive uh, doesn't want access into that area either, so let's talk about high security door hardware, the fourth thing with respect to keys to the castle, and here are just a couple of uh, These are just a couple of quick hits in terms of door security. One, if you can buy it at Home Depot, it's not high security. Uh, It doesn't matter. The nicest locks at Home Depot are not high security locks. If you can get a copy of a key or a new key made at Lowe's just to spread things out, it's not a high security lock. And I would almost go as far as to say if your city locksmith has the key, then everybody has the key to your evidence vault. So, high security door hardware is different than consumer or even commercial grade door hardware. High security door hardware, you can't get copies made of the keys. They just don't they don't sell reproduction uh, keyways or keys for high security locks. You can't buy them at Lowe's, you can't buy them at Home Depot, you can't even get them at a locksmith's shop a true high security door lock is going to come with a key that cannot be reproduced except by the factory now it is a pain in the rear if you lose them you don't want to lose a key to a high security door because you can't just get another key made at home depot or lowes so there are there that there is a downside but you really know if your door is a high security door or a high security lock. If you can't get the key at a locksmith or at Home Depot or at Lowe's, or if you can't copy the keys, you know that it is a high security door. Now, most of us don't have a lot of exposure to high security doors or understanding of that. I didn't until I really started getting into the topic, but here's my recommendation. If you really want key control at your agency, go completely off the grid. Go completely off the keyway and key system that the rest of your city or the rest of your department is on. More than likely, they are a fairly, a medium security uh, operation. These Primus keys are made by Schlage, uh, and they are kind of a, they're not truly high security. Another thing about high security doors is you can't drill them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever drilled a door lock out before. I have. It's a lot of fun. Uh, But these types of high security hardware packages, you can't drill those locks out. Uh, That's because they use case hardened steel. So it is really almost impregnable by common tools that you can just pick up anywhere off the street. It's a great idea if you can get your city to agree to it or get your department to agree to it to have the evidence control unit or evidence custody, whatever you call it, completely off the grid from the rest of the city with respect to key control. That way you can truly control who has access into your vault and who doesn't have access into your vault. If you're using the same keyways and same hardware that the rest of the city is using, then there's nothing categorically wrong about that, but you can't guarantee that other people don't have keys or that the key way used to lock your evidence vault is not also the key way to lock up uh, the lawnmowers at the parks department. So going off the grid is really the, the best way for true key control for a, an evidence management unit. A few trusted high security brands. I don't sell door hardware, uh, but Asa Abloy is a company I believe out of Finland. They also have you know, offices and sell here in the United States. Medeco is a great high security uh, lock company. That Primus lock or that Schlage lock is pretty cool. If you see the little grooves on the side, I don't know if you've ever tried to bump a door lock or get into a door using a bump key. It's really easy, uh, but these types of keyways have security features where you can't do that. Uh, you can kind of look inside and see how they work. It's fascinating. Southern Steel is another high security brand Now, Southern Steel doors. uh, They're not going to fit standard door patterns. Uh, These are jail doors or jail door locks. They're great high security hardware items, but you're going to have to really kind of probably retool things in order to install those at your agency because the cylinders on them are, are much bigger than normal cylinders. So that's number four, high security door hardware. Number five would be high security padlocks. I hate going to an agency and seeing master locks on temporary lockers or on, you know, temporary bulk storage pins, anything. If it's a master lock, just leave bolt cutters on the table. Don't don't even bother locking it up. Uh, There are much better alternatives. Now, I've said that. And I wanna do a little test here. This is a master lock and it says commercial on it, but they don't really mean commercial. Now this will probably fail epically because I'm trying to do it live. But one of the reasons why I don't recommend people use master locks is because they're incredibly easy to pick. Now I said that, but doing it live, yeah, there we go. It's gonna work. Uh, picking a lock a master lock is easy. I'm not really great at picking locks, but I can pick a master lock in five or 10 seconds, but I don't need to pick this lock because I can just cut through it with a pair of bolt cutters. And I'm not talking high quality bolt cutters. I'm talking about Harbor Freight $5 jobs. If you really want into a master lock, it'll cost you $5 at Harbor Freight, or maybe a few dollars more for a lock pick. Don't, And it's not just Matt. I'm not trying to pick on master lock, but I see those everywhere. A high security padlock has more features. It's a better, a a more well-made product than a master lock. Uh, If I can show you kind of up close here, and I'm not a great cameraman, but this is an Asa Abloy high security padlock. You can't feel it because you're watching over the Internet, but this thing is is solid. It is solid, case-hardened steel, and it has got a lock or a, a key that can't be picked. It's a wafer lock. It's a very simple machine, but you can't cut through this hasp, and you can't drill out that core. It is an incredibly sophisticated piece of hardware, and it's not too much more expensive than a master lock. There are better alternatives out there. I would highly recommend that you use high security padlocks instead of master locks or commercially available padlocks. Uh, Doesn't matter if they're shiny. Uh, This is a a shiny kryptonite lock, and it probably costs, you know, more than a master lock, but it's no better than a master lock. I can't pick it right now because I left my circular pick in another room, but shiny doesn't mean good. A quality, high-security padlock is incredibly important for evidence management. So number six, the sixth thing to talk about today to keep you on the edge of your seat, when should you re-key? Now, most training classes, most evidence management training classes teach pretty much the same thing. Uh, When there are security breaches, and that includes if someone loses keys to the vault. If you lose, if someone just flat loses the keys to the vault, even if they think they're going to find them in six to eight months, uh, that is a security breach that we would recommend re-keying your evidence facility when someone has reported lost keys or other security breaches. When there is a change in evidence unit staff, we recommend that you re-key the evidence facility. When there is a change in executive or command leadership, we recommend re-keying your evidence facility. Now, there is an exception to the rekeying recommendation, but we'll talk about that next week. The exception to the re-key uh, requirement requires an, an additional technology that I think you will find interesting that solves a lot of problems related to keys for evidence managers. Number seven are standards and best practices. In any good standards or best practices guide, you're gonna find prohibitions and recommendations. Ours is no different. In chapter three of our standards and best practice guide under facility security and safety, you can find lots of guidance specifically about keys and hardware and what types of things to use and audit practices and procedures. Uh, You can find that in our standards and best practices. We'll talk specifically about locks, locking systems and keyless access, Uh, how to achieve key control and access control when you should make lock changes or deactivate cards. A lot of us will, will change the locks, but we forget to deactivate people's card reader access. And that creates problems years down the road where you have an employee that might have been terminated, but seven years later, when you're doing an access audit, you found that this employee still had access to the building through their key card. It's just something that you want to square up and square away early on. Uh, We'll also discuss in that standards and best practice guide a lot of uh, common security vulnerabilities that you'll find related to doors and keys and card reader access. So it's worth a read. That's number seven. Number eight is to look at the different links in the chain. Now I probably use this metaphor too much for everything because we deal with chain of custody, but having a great door lock on a door is just one piece of a much bigger security picture. Uh, there's a picture of the, that green door right there was from a from a project that we're working on a, a while ago. And the door hinges, this was the security door to a vault. They were on the outside of the door. So in order to access the evidence room from the outside, from the building exterior, all you had to do was pop the pins and just let the door fall. Now, nobody did that, fortunately. But that's one of the things that you got to think about with respect to high security door hardware is you can have a thousand dollar lock. I don't I don't think there are any thousand dollar locks on a two thousand dollar door, but if the hinges are on the outside, that's a worthless investment uh, unless you make mitigations or changes to that. So door frames are important. We recommend you know steel frames on evidence fault doors. Wood frames can be pretty much kicked in by anybody. Another thing to think about a lot, we use a lot of technology. This is neither a door lock, nor is it a card reader access. This is a a combination door lock. Uh, You don't want to put those without other controls, without an additional card read or an additional key to access any vault. Um, This particular door you could access inside that room just by punching in a code. And if, Once that code is known, then anybody in the agency can access that door. You want to avoid things like that unless there is an additional key that's used or additional card read that is used in order to access that room. But you'd be amazed how many of those you'll find. Number nine is just one myth about high security. Um, i've actually heard this before as to why we didn't want to why an agency didn't want to invest in high security door hardware uh, just wanted to leave things the way they were if it's too secure if it's too hard to get into and the captain doesn't have a way to get in then i will die inside the vault now that is a myth that is a myth for two reasons one because the fact is if you're depending on your captain to survive when you collapse inside the vault you're probably already dead because they're not going to know number two doesn't matter what kind of door hardware on you have doesn't matter how how secure your facility is if there is an emergency inside your shop or inside your operations the evidence eradication team our friends in the fire service they can get in i have yet to see anything that a firefighter couldn't get into. Uh, They are extremely determined, they're extremely well-equipped, they're extremely knowledgeable, and they've got lots of time to figure out how to get into things on their off days. So they're gonna be able to get into your vault despite your best security practices. That's not a reason not to do high security doors and door locks on your facility. So number 10, there's got to be a better way there is there is technology that is out there that is available that can control and document access to all of your keys and all of your card readers to prevent the need to ever rekey a facility again and to provide remote access to people whenever they need it if someone needs into the office area you can provide remote access you can grant them remote access to the keys through a technology system That is commonly available through multiple different vendors, and and it gives you 100% accountability over access control, over all of your keys and your card readers, and that is what we're going to talk about next week because we had to have some reason for you to come back. That will be, or not next week, two weeks, September 24th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time is when we will have part two of this discussion. Hopefully, you've got some information. If there are questions, I'll go back and I'll look for questions specifically related to keys. Uh, but another thing I would kind of throw out there as people are logging off, if uh, if you've got show topics or something that you would like to see discussed or questions that you have, please email me at sean at evidencemanagement.com or henderson at evidencemanagement.com. There are four or five email addresses, ways to reach me. I uh, would love to answer those questions on the show. And I'm also looking for people that have success stories. There are so many stories out there about things gone wrong. Uh, I don't spend any time worrying about headlines uh, related to problems in evidence management because they're they're out there. Uh, that's not really interesting to me. What I like to do is find solutions and to help people find alternative solutions or different ways of doing things or better ways of doing things. That's what I would rather invest my time in. So if you've got one of those stories, we would love to tell it here on this show. And if you're featured on the show, there are just massive prizes awaiting you. I I promise you. Uh, So please do that. I will check real quick and see if there are questions. I didn't see many pop up. But if you have questions about keys or card reader access, now is a good time to ask them. You're welcome, Miss Allen. And hopefully, you got something out of it. I don't think there are any questions. I think that's because I explained things so completely. But hopefully, please tune in next time, September 24th. We'll do the next part of this and we will have, uh, we'll discuss technology that exists out there that can make your life so much easier. Uh, this is something that I've, I've invested in, in the past, uh, but things have gotten a lot better in the last 10 years. And there are amazing tools out there that can, that can do your job and keep your evidence secure. Uh, have a great week. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to, uh, turn off the little clicker here. If you do have questions that we didn't get to online, please email me directly. Would love to talk to you. Uh, stay safe. Have a great week. Thank you.